Welcome to the Plexus Education Leadership Podcast. Our guest is Superintendent Dr. Kim Morrison from the Mount Airy City Schools in Mount Airy, North Carolina. Kim is an agent of change and lives this out in her work each and every day. She has served as the president of the Magnet Schools of America, chair of the North Carolina Innovation Project, hosts a podcast called Voices of Courage, is an active member of the Appalachian State University Public School Partnership Governing Board, and she has brought in over $30 million in grants and programs for public schools. Always striving and putting herself in a position to listen, lead, and bring out the best in all of her students, teachers, and community, an incredible leader. Welcome again, everybody, to the Plexus Education Leadership Podcast. I'm David Linevers, Vice President of Plexus. And today we have our special guest, Superintendent Dr. Kim Morrison from Mount Airy School District, the superintendent over there in uh, Mount Airy, North Carolina, which is what, close to Virginia? Is that correct? Very close. We can drive there in five minutes. So <laughs> you are right, close to the mountains and close to Virginia. And that, and that area of the mountains, it's, it's one of the most visited areas in the country as far as national parks, isn't it? Yes. So Pilot Mountain is in the Blue Ridge Parkway is the number one park visited in the United States. Um, right up there with Abraham Lincoln Memorial in D.C., believe it or not. So I didn't realize the Lincoln Memorial was that well visited. I mean, I love it. Been there, of course, you know, big deal. Big deal. Canyons in the top three and uh, <laughs> the Blue Ridge Parkway. Most of us that live here have always been on the Blue Ridge Parkway. So that was a surprise to me. To find out. <laughs> Isn't I that the truth? Parkway. It's beautiful. It, it sounds amazing. And obviously yeah. it's a great tourist destination too. And that's, right. I mean, that is fun because it puts you on a map in a way that most people, oh, I know that area. And they kind of relate to it. Well, and I know. Mayberry, you know, it's Andy Griffith's hometown. And so the whole Andy Griffith show is based on Mayberry. So this is Mount Airy. That's our streets. And, you know, <laughs> the Mount Pilot of Andy Griffith show is Pilot Mountain. So everything here in the city is in that show, which gets us uh, over 100,000 tourists um, on very heavy weekends. Yeah, that's a lot of people coming through. There's a lot of people for a small town. That's yeah. right. I, I want to whistle the tune right now, but I'm just not going to. There you go. Just going to fish later on and think about it. It is one of those tunes. If you went on whistling it, people would probably start whistling it after you, wouldn't they? They know it. That's <laughs> exactly right. That's exactly right. Still popular years later. <laughs> it's true. You know, I was doing some fun reading, and I noticed that you all are state football championship for your division this year. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. That was exciting. Love being on that football field and high-fiving those guys. They dream of it since they were in kindergarten, and not many people actually get to live it. So that was pretty cool. Uh, it's just fantastic. And I said, was this your eighth? But it's been a while since the last one. Is that right? Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, in the early 2000s, we went twice um, to two state championships. You lose one and you won one. Yeah. Um, we went this year and won one. Um, uh, of course, we'll go back next year and win another one. That's what we hope. That's right. Always. And I know I know what we're talking about sports. Your middle school wrestling team did well this year, too. Sure. In our high school team, we have girl wrestlers who are state oh. champs. Oh, they were champs last year in the girls, and it's extremely popular. It's going to become a statewide sport in its own division next year for girls. So lots of things. We have two tennis um, state championships this year. 
So we had uh, the team and uh, doubles. So that was pretty exciting. So lots of good things to celebrate. I love that. You know, celebrating that together with the kids and the families, it makes a difference. You know, people, obviously people love to win, but even if the teams aren't on top, it's fun to celebrate and recognize all the achievements and the coaches and the team and the booster clubs and everything associated with what makes it work, you know? That's right. It really does take a village. And we have 27 sports. We're a very small 1A um, school district. And those 27 sports at middle school and high school require a lot of mentors and coaches and parents driving them to practice. And, you know, your tennis team being excellent, your swimming team being excellent, and your football team being excellent. That's kind of hard to um, see in a lot of places. So yeah, we, we try to have a culture of excellence and in academics, arts, and athletics. And those are some, some key points that uh, we keep making with families. Now, I know it, music education is near and dear to your heart, correct? It is. I was a <laughs> former band director, so you're right. Our band went on and got three straight superiors this spring just recently, so very proud of them. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. Now, were you, what in, did you play an instrument? What was your? Yes. Yeah, so oboe was my band instrument oh, and the okay. piano too. I p- play piano. And when you go for music education, you have to be fluent in all of those proficient in all sure. of the different instruments, but woodwinds and piano are, are close to my heart. So. Uh, and you did that for 12 years. Is that right? Before you started getting into administration? Well, at least officially. Yes. Yes. You've done your homework. So the 13th year of my uh, being a North Carolina teaching fellows, I had finished my PhD and was kind of putting my name out there, Mm -hmm. ran a lot of arts-based schools after that in Forsyth County, large urban district for about a decade. And um, the magnet schools are very important to me. I am immediate past president of magnet schools of America. In fact, we will be at that conference in Dallas next week presenting. So fantastic. So we love magnet schools. They're public schools that um, keep the same traditional pieces, you know, that you love, like your football team and all of that. But then they have themes like our theme is STEAM. You know, we do design thinking in kindergarten all the way through 12th grade. Or you may pick something like language immersion. We have Spanish language immersion, K-5, which is now in the seventh grade. We have Chinese programs. So Mm. magnet schools are just so much fun. And um, in Mount Airy, we've been able to attract 5% population growth over the last um, 10 years or so. And that is opposite of what most people in the state are doing. Yeah, Um, that's huge. Yes. We want to pull them back from homeschool, charter and private to um, these fantastic, innovative schools. Absolutely. You know, when I I remember talking to Travis and he was talking about some of the changes in the the county populations and teachers and actually all over North Carolina and the country, people struggling with that. But to, like you said, to bring people back in and do things that say, look, public education, charter schools, all that's part of public education and that kind of connection. So your background is awesome in that. Yes. And no matter which state I'm working in, it's a formula. Um, It always attracts families. You know, in North Carolina, we were one of two school districts that attracted students during COVID. And when I go even out to Arizona or Texas or California, where I've helped schools turn around, 
The first thing you have to do is create innovative, exciting, student-centered classrooms that attract families. That's really what they're looking for when they go to a charter or homeschool or private. They want someone to care about their child and to find out what their gifts, talents, and abilities are, and then match the education to their child. That's not unreasonable. And we can do that in traditional public schools. And there's a formula for that, creating these innovative schools, because our county has lost families, but Mount Airy City Schools has gained families. So that should tell you a lot. Um, And we consistently do that every year. I mean, I love that. And you, and I know you're pretty tied into the Surrey Yadkin works, correct? With part of that whole area and the the 42 or 40 students that are now pre-apprentice and apprentices of nursing. And it's pretty cool stuff you have going just with that alone. Sorry, we had a weather alert. That's okay. Those are important to pay attention to. (laughs) They are important to pay attention to. So, yes, we like the Surrey Yadkin Works because Mount Airy City Schools has been doing this for 20 years or more Mm -hmm. in a separate program that we work on. Um, And now we actually work with Surrey County Schools, Yadkin and Elkin. So Mount Airy City has always paid our interns and paid for their Surrey Community College position and put them in jobs if they're first generation. We've Mm. done that through a separate program. And um, the piece that Surrey Yadkin Works adds for us is the apprenticeship. So being able to do it in a regional approach, Northern Hospital stepped up and said, We'll do all the paperwork through the state to be able to offer apprenticeship. So these students that we've been sending to these paid internships could then come back and work for that company. So for us, it was a maturation of something we've been doing for a few decades. um, And we were pretty excited that the region is catching up with that. Oh, that's nice. So you guys are leading in that area. I love it. Innovate and serve. Sit over my head. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. It's right behind. Yes, right there. So a lot of fun. Leadership is huge for us. Innovation and service. We we try to work it into everything we do. We know, as as I mentioned earlier, I know before we were talking with Cecilia Holden in My Future NC, you know, she specifically mentioned you when we were chatting after the podcast and what you've been doing out there. And I know they have the 2 million by 2030 goal. Um, some and some very ambitious things, amazing collaboration across the state and resources. Um, are you working with them in particular in anything or just kind of connected through resources? So they uh, traveled with us in the innovation project to St. Brains, Colorado. Mm. Mm. And one of the big pieces we're working on right now are stackable units of learning that will become credentials. So there is um, a some some work in the General Assembly to look at maybe some flexibility, because right now you have courses that students have to take. There's seat time, there's specific teachers, all of that. Right. We believe that that's the old model, right? The old antiquated model, straight rows, show up in a building with four walls, do the work that that teacher wants you to do. All the stuff we didn't think was much fun, right? Um, exactly. <laughs> so my future NC and the Innovation Project and Mount Airy City Schools, 
we have this vision of making a school without walls, right? Yeah. We really want students to be able to come to school, get mentored, get what they need, but then be able to actually get their uh, units of study from any expert across North Carolina, maybe cybersecurity. You can't get that in a rural area, but you can get it in this high-tech learning accelerator. This unit of study attached to a computer science unit of study might make a credential that Apple will accept. Mm. So for the next three years, we have an $8 million project that's funded by the General Assembly here in North Carolina to really think about a school without walls. You may come to school for first period. You may go into the learning lab to get your credentials. Then you might go to work the rest of the day and actually get into the job site to see if that's what you want to do. Just think about if you had gotten to do podcasts in high school and run all of this fun stuff you're doing right now and think, gosh, I really yeah. want to do this, you know, and yeah. all the equipment, the experts from around the state to make you the really best at that you can be. So some of that work is pretty exciting. That is exciting. I mean, the, the opportunities for the students and the teachers and the community to be involved in these opportunities for the kids is incredible because you, like you said already, you know, leading, innovating and getting this families excited about what's happening. It's true. That's what kids want. And that's what families want. I mean, I have five kids. I know I want them. I want to be excited. So when they're like, I don't want to do this, I can get them motivated to go that's in the door. Right. right? That's right. Well, you know, I've got boys. And so in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, they were loving school. They were mm-hmm. loving everything. They were excited. They wanted to go to school every day. By high school, they were like, oh, I don't want to go to school. I don't want to be there. I show up for my friends. I show up for athletics. I show up when we have the robotics team. I show up when yeah. we do computers. But the more you could make it really exciting, hands-on, engaging, and connected to their future goals, right? Yes, yes. So they're doing this Zello survey in middle school that says like Caleb's was leaning more toward computer science. Eli's was leaning more toward business. And a mentor would keep saying, every time you take this survey or you take a class, really looks like you're going toward business. And of course, now he's a UNC Charlotte business major, you know. Um, So I think you've also got to help them see the connection for this is, this is an area that you probably want to go into. Your yes. gifts, talents, and abilities are lining up with this. What cool, fun things can you do? Um, Kayla, my oldest, is at App State, um, my alma mater. And so at Appalachian, in the computer science world and the digital media world, his robotics from middle school and his web design in high school, his Adobe, all starts to connect with what he's he's kind of narrowing to digital media and marketing. And I just think, gosh, we're starting an e-sport program. Both boys would have loved that. That's true. No, boys need to get excited about school, not (laughs) not just feel like somebody's telling them what to do all the time, but hey, maybe this will help me actually reach my goal. You know, what I want to do. You know, I think it's really important what you're talking about is reaching people where they're at. And that's what you're talking about with the boys and the community and the partnerships and these things is is really connecting and showing what's possible, not what you can't do because of budget constraints or because of this or because of that. And, you know, oftentimes I think that's the first thing people go to when it comes to quote public education. Well, we don't have the budget. Well, we know budget isn't a limitation. It's just priorities and opportunities. Yes. When you dream, don't think about the money. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, 
uh, conservers are going to look at me and go, okay. Um, but, you know, in Forsyth County, we brought over $30 million in. In Mount yeah. Air, we brought over $6 million in. The money is not an issue. You, you have a vision. You've been given a vision or a dream, however people want to call it. You mm. narrow that to what is practical and works for your community. And then the universe will conspire to do great things for kids. You know, esports is a new one for us where... We knew students were um, engaging in esports, but you can actually tap into computer science skills, technology skills, yeah. problem solving, um, AI, all of these things that are coming and do it in a fun, cool way, um, like esports, where they try out for the esports team and they go compete. And you actually bring them out of the basement into a healthy <laughs> environment in the school. And not only do they have to interact online, they have to present what they're doing. They have to talk right. to donors. They have to get sponsors for their esport program. Then they go to UNC Greensboro and they compete with other high schools. And it's just amazing. So you can tap into that. And what will happen is people will call you and they'll say, I have money for that project. Let me tell you what I'd like to pay for. Um, and then if you go align, even at local uh, companies, they almost all have to have someone that understands um, marketing in a digital way, web mm -hmm. design, coding, programming. You can just go and explain what you're doing. And they're like, yes, because I need your graduates to come work for me. And here's how we can do the apprenticeship. Here's how we can do the internship. We'll pay for their college and we want them to come back and work for us. And it, it's just sitting there ready for your idea. Just waiting. It almost sounds like, I mean, it's not exactly the same, but of all those untapped scholarship dollars out there that people have put aside, it's just, how are we helping kids get it? Right. And what you're talking about is the ideas that they're connecting to the families and the kids. So they take the advantage of that opportunity. And to see those 40 students in the pre-apprentice, I know the, the CNA was one of those announcements that I was reading. I was just like, these are the faces. And I love seeing the faces and the names. Like, these are the kids doing it. These are them involved. That's right. That's right. We have 600 kids at our high school. We have a hundred in full internships every year. That's huge. So if you want an internship, we can get you in it. We have the companies ready to do it. And we can show you how to do interviews, how to do your resume, how to get these skills. And we find out pretty quickly if kids don't want to go into a field. I mean, there was That's one, true. we have two or three of ours doing apprenticeships here in Mount Airy City Schools who will come back to work for us. We're paying for their college. We're paying for everything they need. They're in our classrooms helping. And I had one come to me and I said, okay, what have you learned this year in your elementary rotation for Mount Airy City Schools? He said that I do not want to work in elementary schools. <laughs> he said, I found out very quickly that I'm going to work in either middle or high school. And I said, that is important. Very and important. We do not need you in kindergarten if you don't like kindergartners. <laughs> That's right. So it's not necessarily just what they want to do. They're confirmed they're going to be teachers, but they're uh, confirmed that they're not going to be kindergarten teachers. And that's okay. It is. And, you know, we talk a lot about that at Plexus and um, even in my board job that I have with uh, high school researchers is when you do research, for example, scientific, there's a lot of failure and that's normal. And oftentimes we don't share the quote failure or what that means because we're afraid of what it means versus going, it just means we're going to go a different direction or other opportunities are available. And the fact that you have other opportunities 
is that much more exciting for these kids? They're like, hey, I don't like this. I like this. And you have that. And you have to create this culture of feeling forward. I know you do that in yes. your company. But, you know, if you don't fail five times today, you're not going to be better tomorrow. That's you're going right. to be mediocre, right? That's true. So the reason you're failing is because you're taking a risk. And so when you take that risk and you you, you fail forward, you learn something from that that will make tomorrow better. Um, and that doesn't mean that you should fail with children and, you know, take them through all these tests. But you could say... What if we try project-based learning tomorrow in a different way? You know, what if we actually go to the site, have the people in the industry pose the problem, then we come back and they put the project together and take it back to the company. Let's try that, you know. And so the teacher who's always done like the, let me tell you what to learn, you learn it, and then we talk about it. Yeah. Gets their whole world opened and they realize that they didn't do it perfectly. Um, you know, there's all these little things they had to do and logistically, but boy, it was so much better because kids got excited about it. Industry yes. was brought in. Um, and the retention of the knowledge just stays so much longer. You, you know, and you made me think too about, you know, you're a music educator, learning to play instruments and to be involved. That's a long, hard process that includes a lot of. I mean, failure isn't the best word. It's like you're learning how to do it and play it and understand timing and notes and a huge jump in the way you see yourself in the midst of learning what it means to learn something and not do it great the first time, but keep getting better and improve. Yes. One of the big things that we learned in getting ready for our recitals and our senior senior performances were, you know, if you just practice it the same way every day, you're going to practice the mistakes the same way. <laughs> That's true. It's always going to be the same mistakes. But if you actually stop when you get to the mistake, think about what you did and correct it and then keep going. When you go back, you'll practice it through the correction. And that can apply to anything, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Keep going. Keep keep going, moving in the general direction. And you'll look back and think, gosh, those mistakes I made yesterday aren't even relevant today. Um, I'm making new and bigger ones today. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's such a funny way to put it, but it's true. (laughs) Mistakes can get bigger and different as we grow. Yes. yes, yes. You You know, in that regard, when I think about your teachers and I think about your leadership team and the other, you know, incredible staff and employees you have, you know, how do you create space for them in the midst of helping kids move forward and their their own personal career goals, you know, the strategic plan, outcomes and things? How do you facilitate excellence within that? So I think you you hire excellence as much as you can, right? You, you hire people who on the front end want to be learners. They yeah. want to grow, you know, um, even if they don't have the skills, they're nice, they're 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 flexible, they work well with others, but they're anxious to learn and grow. Once you've hired that, that helps a lot. Then your leaders absolutely have to understand that you can't um, reprimand people for taking risks. Mm-hmm. You know, how like do that. you create a play box or a sandbox for for the the teachers um, to be able to bring great ideas and then give them the resources and the support to do those? Um, I've been doing small group uh, interviews all year with staff at my K two school. 
now here at the central office, I just meet one-on-one or with five or 10 people. And I say, you know, what kind of change do you want to see in your school and how can you contribute to that change? And um, just yesterday in one of those interviews, I think this one was at the middle school, I said to a new employee who's been here a year, I said, now I want you to make sure you feel comfortable to to take risks. And um, she said, oh, I already did. And she said, here's what I, I came in with an idea, talked to the principal and he said, okay, sit down with me, map out what you would like to try how much money it's going to take, why, what the outcome you want to be. He said, so we already did it and we've made the change. Um, and so that's affirming to me that a new employee would feel comfortable enough to sit with their principal. I felt like, okay, let me test the culture out here, you know? Um, yeah. Oh yeah. And she said, you know, sometimes there's a hard no, like, oh no, that's not going to work. (laughs) (laughs) There's usually a really good reason for it, you know, safety or something like that. She said, but, but she said the, the ideas that she has had, um, almost everybody says that's a great idea. Let's try it. And that's really what you want uh, to permeate throughout the entire culture. And then students, you know, they were recently talking about that at our educational foundation dinner. The fact that they can try some things out or come to their teachers with ideas. And then the teacher actually shows them how to move forward with their idea. You know, let's take that to innovation block at the end of the day. Let's take the next three weeks and see if that will work. Let's bring in some other students that might want to do it with you. And let's do that. Um, Everything from, you know, fundraisers for a teacher that has cancer to um, going to the shepherd's house, our homeless shelter and doing some work. Um, I feel pretty good about that, but we've also been doing it for like seven years. So (laughs) used to it that we're not going to like chop their hands off if they do something that makes us a little uncomfortable, you know, or stretches our thoughts. Um, As long as it's safe, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, legal, that would be important. (laughs) And actually makes a difference for students and the outcome is better. That's the, that's how we define innovation, problem solving to a better solution and a better outcome for students, not just to innovate, to, you know, to have a great idea. It really needs to make a difference. I mean, the fact that that's happening with the teachers, that means the kids can embrace that the parents and the community sees it. I mean, I wonder why people love our thinking like, Oh, this is different. I see it like they're seeing it with their eyes and watching it. And I love the fact that even on your Twitter feed, you know, I, you, you had your, um, your foundation dinner and the different things going on, the celebrating. It's like we have to shout it from the rooftops to let people know the good stuff that's happening, don't we? Yeah, I think that's that's really, really important. I think a lot of people are afraid of social media, but, yeah. you know, you can either own social media or it can own you. Mm-hmm. And so I just feel like put the good stories out there. Let the students little testimonials tell how great they are. That's you know, right. a lot of folks want to say that this generation is, you know, disconnected. They stay in their room. They don't look people in the eye. They don't shake people's hands. Like you've not talked to a kid lately. Just talk to a kid. Um, Sit down, you know, have a listening session with your grandchild. They're amazing children. And they're not worried about the future like we are. 
they think the future is very bright. That's right. They're, um, they're, so I just love to hear their hopeful um, plans, their ideas. And I think what we're yeah. giving them are actual tools that we didn't have to actually make those goals happen. I love what you said there is it's true. It's when you sit down and talk to a child or your son, daughter, or friends, kids, and then you see them again and you talk to them. Oh, uh, you told me this. How's that going? And you see them and you follow up and you, it's like you stay present. Kids will talk. You just have to spend time. Like if I'm going to have a relationship with you after this, we have to keep talking, right? That's just the way it works. Yes. And I think kids are hungry for that. So are adults. Yep. Some of the best stories we have are when mentors are a little bit older and they come in and spend some time with the little bit younger kids <laughs> and we bridge that generation gap and they're laughing after a few months, they're enjoying yeah. each other. You know, they're showing up at school together to have lunch together. And there's just a very healthy relationship between the generations. Um, mm-hmm. It's very fun to watch. And it is it, it changes your whole outlook about that entire generation yeah. when you have some good experiences and you spend some time with some children. I, I agree. You know, we, we as seasoned professionals, we need kids in our lives as much as they need us. We need yeah. to remember what it means to feel inspired and excited and what this is about and, and education too, because there's always something negative said about education or college is too expensive, but yet, you can go to college for practically free almost anywhere in the country, but no, it's too expensive. Like who's writing these articles that really isn't focused on anything except the negative cost. Now, cost is a real thing. I know that. Teacher pay is a real thing. All these things people talk about are real things, but there's solutions and opportunities out there. Yes. And, it, and you still have to look at the fact that there's a big gap between just graduating from high school and graduating from college. Yes. 90% of yes. our students go on to a two or four year college. So we're not saying everybody has to go be a chemistry major, but right. we are saying that you should prepare them so that they can reach their full abilities and their, you know, their full destiny. And then if they decide to track off earlier, um, they might want to get back on it later and go. So I always talk about the fact that someone may just want to go be a welder. They just may want their certification in plumbing. They just may want this, that, or the other. That's right. But don't shortchange them because they might in a few years want to own that company that they are an electrician for. It may be a small company. If they don't understand a business plan, they don't know how finance works. They don't know about personnel and HR. You're selling them short. So you prepare children, especially with math and science, technical reading and and internships experiences so that you say, absolutely, we can get you in this welding job next year. You'll have your certification right out of high school. Let's do it. But don't forget, you might want to own that welding company in a few years. And here's the pathway to do that. So I think we can't short. Um, and say, I'm just preparing you for for a two-year degree. I think that's not the way to do it. How many of us are in the in the career we started in? Uh, definitely not. I was flying planes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, I was a band director. This that's is not right. band directing. Uh, you know, give it five to ten years and you will shift what you're doing. So you yes. need to be prepared with problem solving basic math and reading skills, experiences, um, tools to be able to understand where you want to go and how you want to get there. Those are all very, very important. And we've got to build them in our pathway now. And your board probably reminds you of those all the time. You get, as you were talking, I thought, 
you know, school boards are made up of just a diverse part of the community. Not everyone is a PhD student, um, graduate or even a bachelor's degree. They're business owners. They love the kids. They want opportunity and they, they care about their community. And I had one podcast with a superintendent in Ohio. He, he started off working for Airstream trailers and then Honda. And then went back to school, got educated and loved it. And now he knows both sides of the fence, education and industry. And that's huge for, like you mentioned, understanding that need, which is absolutely critical. Yeah. Now, remember, my board is extremely smart. <laughs> exactly. I'll an A plus. They're, 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 they're perfect. Um, but you're right. I have a pharmacist. I have a, a lady that owns her own uh, company yep. and a lot of things from her house. I have another one who hand, uh, who has a rental uh, company that has expanded uh, immensely over the years. I mean, it, it, there's just all these dynamics. That's um, right on the board and they can remind you because, you know, you have to remind them what it's like to be in the school building and they remind you what it's like to be outside the school building. That's right. <laughs> and it's a nice partnership. Uh, I think our, our community keeps us humble too, right? When yes. you think about Mount Airy, um, we do have 90% of our students going to a two or four year college, but we want them to come home, right? We want them to come here. Mm -hmm. So our high tech mm -hmm. learning accelerator shows them how they could, if they're going to go into digital media, marketing, coding, web design, they can live in Surrey County and work for anyone. That's anyone. true. It's a whole different world now, but they do need to know how to communicate through telework. What does that even look like? You know, how to look someone in the eye on Zoom, when to turn your camera on, when to turn it off. I mean, there's a whole set now of what is appropriate um, if you're working from your home, you know, and it can't be that you see the bathroom in the background, you know, <laughs> it's nice little true. background. I mean, there's just this whole thing that, you know, you need to have your clothes on when the camera comes on, That's you know, right. little, little yeah. things like that, that are extremely important. Um, but I do believe it opens a lot up to the, to the kids to say, you know, I may just go straight from high school to work for a high tech lab because I've got all these certifications and later on, I might go back or I might go to school at night. And you don't want them to just settle for what they decide to do when they're 18, you know? Yes. Um, and many of them go in the military or they go travel. That's one of the new things for us. They're traveling before they go to college. They're, they've saved up enough money in their entrepreneurship program that they have at the high school. They have their own businesses. Lots of our students do. And they have enough money to travel for a year before they go to college. Who can do that? I, don't I know. Want to do that, you know? That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. And you grow up a lot in a year between high school and college. You do. People change. It's pretty smart, really, yeah. um, and wise. Although a lot of us just wanted to jump right into college and <laughs> forward. That's okay, too. You know? That's right. Yeah. It's but like you, you said already, is as a superintendent, you have to look at all of those pieces and provide opportunities all along the way which really makes you, you know, very Renaissance in the midst of being a leader. You have to know everything in addition to public safety and weather protocol and county development codes and state and federal assessment codes. I mean, you name it, food systems, you have to do it all. It's incredible. It is. And I still think, you know, the states and the federal government are, are a little bit on the old school, you know, the way they've always run it. Mm -hmm. And how do you give us innovative flexibility with calendar, flexibility of budget and flexibility facilities? 
Do students actually need to show up every day? Do teachers need work, work flexibility? Could, could some teachers work from home? You know, that whole school without walls, what is it? What does it even mean? And what does it look like? I do believe that new paradigm is coming and it's coming very fast. You know, AI, um, artificial intelligence is absolutely amazing. Looking at chat GPT and the fact that, you know, Lots of the mundane things we want to do, like filling out forms and writing reports and things like that, that kids have always done too, can be done by computer. And you can actually do the real work of creating, you know, um, editing, building it up to a bigger piece. You've got all the basics. You've got all the facts. You've got everything on Google in this one piece. And then you take it to the next level. That's just a whole nother paradigm that I'm not sure our states and federal government they're more fearful than they are excited. And I want them to be excited with caution uh, around it. Of I think that's a different paradigm. Yeah. Fear is very different than caution. Yeah, that's such a good point is, you know, caution and understanding. And, and like you said, th- it's okay to take risks. It doesn't mean it's a failure because we take risks and it doesn't work out or it does work out or it works out half, right? I mean, there's so many different options on there. I remember someone, a mentor for me a long time ago, he's like, you know, nothing in this world is this or that. There's, you have to look at the options in front of you. And you keep yeah. talking about that over and over and over again. And even what you're talking about with the state and federal, it's like, keep the options open because it's healthy. It's healthy yeah. for us. Yes. Just like if you thought, well, you know, every child needs to show up to school. Every child needs to be in the same four walls. Every child mm-hmm. needs to Every child needs to take these, these um, calculus one, calculus two, you know, physics one, all of these things. No, they don't. You know, what if this child is interested in this module of computer science, which is completely different? You know, they Mm -hmm. love coding, they love programming, but this one loves the marketing aspect and the web design and all of that. So give them options and they would both get the same credit. You know, units of study from specialists uh, around the state that they can zoom in with and get these credentials with, and then they stack them themselves based on what they're interested in doing. And like, you know, like you and I have both said, if they don't like one area, it's okay. Yeah. You know, Um, but at least by the time they get out of high school, they have sort of an idea of the general area they want to go into. Because really, most 19 and 20-year-olds over the last 10 years, they don't have a clue what they want to do. Um, And if they could just even get in the general area, have spent time in that industry and made connections and networking, that automatically puts them a leg up. And, you know, our students graduating being fluent in two languages is immense. That's huge. I mean, when they graduate in just a few years, completely fluent in Spanish and English, and they could have taken Mandarin for five years. Just think about that. Three languages. And you put that on your resume, you automatically bump over everyone else. I mean, you know, California, Spanish, Chinese, English, that's pretty important. Pretty I important. should say Mandarin because there's multiple languages in China. So that's right. Yes. That's right. We do Mandarin. That's right. And yeah. we don't we don't do all the writing of Mandarin. We do the speaking and the reading. Yeah. Um, so but in Spanish, they're speaking it, writing it, listening to it, and using it. Um, most of our companies in Mount Airy uh, have an international presence with China. And oh, so that's great. 
Renfro wanted us to start a Chinese program. So we traveled to China with our board. We got the signatures for the partnership. And this was funded by a local industry partner that said, you know, when we meet with China, we don't really understand business as much as we should in the culture. We brought a contract. We described the contract to the Chinese. They shook their head which is a sign of respect. And they came back home and we felt great about it. And they helped us understand that the shaking of the head is respectful does not mean we like the contract. (laughs) And they're like, we need some graduates really understand that. So uh, a graduate had a, had a, he went into international business and that came out of that Mandarin program. And um, you know, it's really important for us to, to understand that international footprint. You know, it's such a good point. And, you know, when you talked about the international footprint and the pieces you're involved in, I mean, with Appalachian State, the Innovation Project, Surrey Adkin Works, your school district, the MSA, you know, I mean, all these organizations and everything you're part of, you can talk about what's going on because people are talking and you're talking with them about it. And that's exciting. That really gives you more information about, okay, what are the blocks and are they there for good reason? Or are they there for unnecessary reason? And it really adds such a neat aspect to your role. And the district benefits from that because your understanding is like, yes, I understand this. And you can ask the questions too that you might need answers for. Yeah, I think um, I'm doing a series of podcasts called Voices of Courage. Oh, nice. During pandemic, I was um, president of Magnet Schools of America. So we had to do some um, interviews all across the nation about how's it going. We're all stuck in, in our offices, leading our schools, you know, during this really worldwide pandemic that we were all living and understanding the same challenges. So there were a group of uh, superintendents in Texas that I did a panel of, Hinojosa and several of those guys. There were um, the new LAUSD uh, superintendent was on Mm -hmm. a panel that I did. I had access to the um, Secretary of Education in Washington, but then I also had teenagers nearby. I had um, the state superintendent here, other superintendents, principals. They were all saying the same things, you know, and for me to create this network of experts. Um, We were the first school district in North Carolina to come back face to face August of 2020. Oh, wow. With seven epidemiologists from the Duke University ABC Science Collaborative. So that network that you're talking about, who to know to ask the right questions. I didn't know anything about epidemiology. I didn't know if we could come back to school in August before everybody else. I thought I might be crazy. But (laughs) the epidemiologist said, we believe you can do it. You can mask, you can separate, you can clean, we can do it. We can bring everybody back. We did that in the first year we had no school spread of COVID. Wow. So just think what a gift that was to our families to be back a whole year, basically before everyone else. Oh yes. Huge. And so Huge. I just grabbed each of those different things that we went through that year from all these voices of courage. And I found five themes. And one of them is build a network of support before the crisis 
hits. So you know who to call. And the whole podcast on that brings in Duke University um, and some epidemiologists kind of talk about how excited we were. Um, he was on some late night television shows uh, uh, of some folks that you would recognize. And he kept thinking about what we had done in the little corner of North Carolina um, to actually change the CDC's guidelines that yeah. it was safer to be in school than it was to be at home and how that led to this systemic change across the United States. So that white paper and those podcasts have been a gift um, that I feel like people gave me that I'm giving out for free presenting at AASA and MSA to say, listen, here's some, here's four things that you need to go through the crisis. And the very last one is we have to be better than we were before the crisis. So prepare for the next crisis. You know, let's hope we don't ever have another crisis, but if we do, um, here are some voices of courage that can lead you through it. I like that. I like that. And you said it's called Voices of Courage? Voices of Courage. Yes. I like it. You know, as you get those, send them to me. We'll post them through our network as well. We love to be able to share that for sure. Happy. I mean, that's the fun yeah. part about this is, yes. is, you know, Plexus, that's what we're all about is connection, building bridges, yeah. and celebrating your successes. And I mean, this has been so fun. Time's gone by super fast, of course. Um, anything else you want to share for we just wrap it up? No, I just feel like, you know, when everybody else went home, educators came to work. Oh, and, yes. You know, I'm so proud of them. And I'm proud of those of you that lift up the voices of educators. The more we can do to help people appreciate and understand that teachers are the top profession, you know, right behind that could be doctors or lawyers or whatever, but teachers <laughs> are way, 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 way up there. And if we didn't have teachers, we wouldn't have doctors and attorneys and other things. So the more you can do to push that um, profession forward and help everyone understand that if you are gifted in teaching, you need to go into teaching because you'll never regret it. I love it. What a great way to finish that up. Thank you so much, Kim. I really appreciate your time. And what a pleasure for me to learn so much about you and just hear you share all this. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for asking. Thank you for joining the Plexus High School Leadership Podcast Series. If you'd like more information on this podcast or Plexus, please visit us at plexus.com forward slash solutions. Thank you.